Education is really near and dear to my heart, and I'm really excited to have our guest here today. Um, we have not really talked about education at the school level and all the fun things that and the technology for, for children that are blind or vision impaired. And we have such a special guest with us today that's going to walk us through his adventure and um, his just quite frankly visionary. Um, he's just a visionary. That's the best thing I can say. Um, more you have with us co-founder of Objective Ed and dear friend of the American Foundation for the Blind, Marty Schultz. Marty, it's so exciting to have you here today. Well, thank you so much for inviting me and I'm looking forward to our conversation. So this will, this will be great. I know, I'm really looking forward to too. So let's go ahead and jump out on you, Marty. I, can you tell us a little bit about Objective Ed and yourself? Sure, so Objective Ed is about two and a half years old. I'll kind of get to the backstory a little later on. But our mission is to provide uh, a software and um, uh, systems to improve the educational outcome for children with disabilities, starting with kids who are blind or visually impaired. So we started this back in around 2018 and raised some private money for the company. And then based on uh, the suggestions of a lot of different um, TVIs and O&Ms, started building out a set of curriculum um, where the students could play games as they develop different types of skills. As an example of a game, we have a game called Barnyard, where a student is asked to drag an animal based on either left, right, or clock directions or compass directions. And they do that and, and they're able to practice the, these type of simple orientation mobility skills. And then what that ends up doing is that at their next lesson with their teacher, they're able to move more quickly through the lessons. What we noticed was that a lot of kids, uh, they have their sessions with their teachers and then they felt the practice at home and because the practice is boring, they don't do anything. And we said, well, if we build out some iPad or iPhone based games to let them practice and have them learn, then they they actually move ahead so that the teacher doesn't have to repeat the lesson the next time she's with the, at the next session with the child. Um, we tested it out a, a bunch with one or two games. It was amazingly successful. I think there was one teacher in Missouri that was using our system um, in the last quarter of last year. And she said her student made more progress in those three months than they did all of the prior year. Wow. So you take the idea that kids like playing video games and they have these skills that are part of the expanded core curriculum that they need to learn. And by combining the two, we're able to teach those skills. Now, we're not just games in Objective Ed, we're really a matter of skill-based learning. So the way the system actually starts working is the teacher using a web-based dashboard assigns uh, what skills she wants the student to work on that week. And these could be skills in technology, O&M, Braille-related skills, there's a wide variety. So she'll pick a set of skills on the web dashboard and then the student will use the games that are associated with those skills and the teacher can set the kids at the very beginning of the skill like with the barnyard game as an example left or right or could move into very advanced things like all the different clock directions from you know 12 up 12 1 all the way you know two three four up to 12 again um and what they have to do when they're playing this game, it'll say there is a um, uh, uh, a penguin at three o'clock to your finger. And then you move your finger along the screen heading to the right until you get to the penguin. And we'll say, okay, now drag the penguin 
to the north fence or something like that. And then the kid would have to kind of drag it towards the top of the screen. So the kid plays the game on the iPad or the iPhone, the teacher configures it at this web dashboard. And then since they're, they're not at the same location, the teacher's at home or at school and the kids at home playing these games, the next time the teacher logs in, she can actually see the progress that this child has made. And she can say, okay, the kid is doing real well on simple clock corrections, let's move to advanced clock corrections. Um, she can see charts up there. Matter of fact, she can take a lot of the information we show on the web dashboard and copy that into the child's IEP progress report. So we kind of understand the whole special ed process from the assigning of the skill, to the playing of the game, to build that skill, to the reporting of the skill, to feed it back into the IEP, kind of in this closed loop processing. And teachers tell us this is a really good way for children to build out these skills so in essence, objective ed is providing reinforcement learning for students anywhere from pre-K on up to transition age. That is so awesome. Cause you know, <clears throat> Marty, people don't really think about children that are blind or vision impaired or anybody in that situation, what, you know, playing video games, like that's just, and you've brought it to the education. That is so, that's really incredible. When you, um, you know, speaking of the teacher being and she logs on, I understand, you know, COVID must have really put some challenges to a lot, it's to, to all the children really, that, you know, into the education world. Can you kind of tell us how you navigated that? Yeah, so when um, we were actually just starting to pilot our, our software, our system with, um, with school districts across the world in January and February of last year, we spent about a year and a half building a lot of this out and then COVID hit, and clearly there was, that was a big problem. And everything we're, we were reading was indicating that students with, with uh, disabilities were really not able to access any of their remote or distance learning. We thought, well, what can we do to, to help that situation? Well, objective as system as a reinforcement system uh, was, could really be used in that way. So we thought, wouldn't it be cool if the teacher who can't go into the classroom, she's back at home, could assign lessons for the students and the students who can't go into the classroom could play these. So at least the child doesn't regress over the next four to five months if they can make progress. Right. And there was um, one woman, uh, a teacher out of, I think, uh, Auburn, Washington. And she, uh, this, we have this testimonial actually up on our website. And she was previously, um, a VRT mainly working with adults and the local school district contacted and said, would you like to work with kids? We'll be working four, five, six, seven years old. And this was like in February. She said, okay, then COVID hits. And she thought, oh, well, I guess I'm not gonna be doing that. But she had heard about objective ed. She downloads it, tested out. At the same time, this is when we announced to the world that any school district could use our system for free in, the, in, the, um, in, the, in that spring 2020 semester. So she downloads objective ed stuff, playing with it and realizes this will help me teach the kids, even though I can't see them face to face, because most of these kids have an iPad or an iPhone at home. Well, she starts contacting the parents and she's talking to one parent and that parent was completely burned out because here she was at home running in essence, a one room schoolhouse with three different kids. One of the kids was visually impaired. And Beth Sutton was, was telling the, the mom, hey, don't, don't worry, your kid can play these games without your help. And the mom said, what do you mean? Well, she said, well, 
the, the game will teach assistive technology gestures, it will teach them orientation mobility to your student, to your child, and all you have to do is, is give them the iPad and they're completely on their own. All the games are fully accessible and we'll be able to work together to make sure the child uh, will make progress. And Beth said, the relief on this woman's face was palpable because now Aww. she had something for this other child to keep making progress and not really regress over what is now the past you know, almost year. That experience that Beth Sutton had is the same experience we've heard from school districts all over the world. There was, um, I think the Los Angeles County School System brought us in and a lot of the teachers started using it and realized this is great. I mean, it's the second largest school system in the United States, and they were able to use it to really help with moving the kids ahead. And we heard this time and time again. So in, a, in, in the end, I think we heard from about 3,000 different schools and teachers. They're all using it um, through the extended school year in August. Many of them came back and actually started um, subscribing to the system uh, starting in September to use it with their kids because they found out not only did it help with the hybrid and distance learning, but it met its original goal, which was to be reinforcement learning through games between sessions with their itinerant teacher. So we're really happy. Yeah, that's exciting. I mean, you're providing that, especially in these times, is just it's really crazy. And I really thank you so much for sharing that story with us because we've all had to pivot, right? We've 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 pivoted many multiple dances this year. <clears throat> One of the things that I wanted to talk to you about, you know. You do so much in that space, but can we talk about some of the grants and projects in particular with Braille? Sure. So we've done a couple of different things in Braille. The first thing we did was we were able to take a sheet of Braille, put it on an iPad, and then build some technology so the iPad knows what's on that sheet of Braille. Wow. And we call that one Braille Sheets. And for that um, project, we won the National Braille Press's uh, Louis Braille Touch a Genius Award. And a lot of teachers are using it some, sometimes with the APH patterns um, curriculum, sometimes with their own things, where they can create their own sheet, uh, Braille story, put it on the iPad, the child plays a game around that Braille story, and then um, improves it. So for example, let's say you have a, a girl 10, 11 years old, visually impaired, and she loves horses, and she's getting really bored practicing um, her Braille reading. And he's early on in learning some of the contractions like um, uh, AR. So the teacher writes a story about a day in the life of a horse. And she prints it out on the Braille embossed. She puts it on the, uh, she gives the, the sheet of Braille to the girl uh, with the iPad. The girl first reads through the story once to, to learn about the horse and the day in the life of the horse. And then, then as part of Braille sheets, we let the teacher create a bunch of questions. And one of the questions the teacher for this girl writes is where does the horse sleep at night? So the girl reads through the story a second time, gets the word barn, it's contracted form and double taps the screen and wins points. But when we did that, and when we got the um, AFB, uh, uh, the, um, the Touch of Genius Award, it was given to us at the CSUN conference out in um, uh, LA a couple of years ago. And I was sitting down with uh, someone from Microsoft and Kirk, um, and the Microsoft person said, how come you don't apply for the Microsoft Art AI for accessibility grant? And I said, well, what is that? She said, well, if you can think of a way to use AI as part of uh, the tools you're creating, then we might, you might win a grant from us to actually build that out. So Kirk and I and the Microsoft person uh, start brainstorming about what to build. So I happened to ask Kirk, 
when you were young, how did you learn Braille and how did you practice? He said, well, I usually had an instructor next to me as I was reading the sheet of Braille or the Braille display. And they would verify that what I'm speaking as I read is the same thing that was, was on the Braille display. I said, well, we can use speech recognition to do that. So we started brainstorming a little longer and then we came out with what's called Braille AI Tutor where it sent a, a sentence at a time to the Braille display. The child uh, reads orally uh, that sentence on the Braille display. We, we pick up the, that speech that they spoke, um, convert it back into text using Microsoft uh, speech recognition technology, compare the original sentence to the text sentence. If it's the same, that means the child decoded and read it correctly. And if it's different, we know what word they got wrong and can take remedial actions. That led us to then going after another grant where we were talking with um, the AFD as well as the Mass Commission for the Blind and Florida Commission for Blind Services and entities like that. And they said, one of the big problems we have is how do we get kids who are transition age to acquire all the skills they need to get a job? They don't want to practice. They only have these sessions. They're not, not enough teachers to teach the kids. And we started bouncing ideas around and we thought, why don't we use the concept of interactive fiction to help do this? So interactive fiction is like a choose your own adventure game where the computer will say something and then it'll ask you a bunch of questions or we ask you one question about how you want to respond to that situation. And then the story takes another path. And this continues with a narration question, answer, narration question, answer. And you go through what we created was a five chapter interactive fiction game to, for students to practice their pre-employment transition skills. And we want a grant from Midler, which I know AFP is associated with them, um, to build out chapter one, which is hearing that there's a job available. Chapter two is um, putting together your resume and applying for the job. Chapter three is going for a phone interview. Chapter four is having a face-to-face -face interview. And then chapter five is your first day on the job. And we're actually gonna be, uh, we're just about done on that grant with the story writing. And the next step is to test it with a bunch of uh, visually impaired adults to make sure they can get from one end of the story to the other and they like it and it's fun. And the next step would be testing with a, with a dozen or two teams all in, uh, in pre-employment transition training just for them to be able to use this uh, to see if they can then try out different strategies over self, um, uh, self-advocacy and problem solving and uh, dealing with difficult issues. And, and the, the cool part of interactive fiction is it lets somebody experiment with, with results without any penalty of failure. From that, we've been working with um, a couple of other researchers, uh, Karen Wolf and Sharon Sachs, to apply that same concept of interactive fiction to teaching social skills to kids anywhere from like third grade up to high school. And we have that grant coming in. Hopefully we'll get that grant as well. So we're doing a lot of things. And then Microsoft invited us back because we did such a good job building Braille AI Tutor to come up with another grant that uses AI. And we're looking at things, how we can help kids either who are low vision or who are blind improve their reading um, and we're working, we're talking to uh, Bookshare as well and, and what we can build it. Marty, this is so excellent. You know, <clears throat> I, uh, you just, I love how you've, you've thought about, you know, the child, you know, the kindergarten all the way up to, you know, you've been through every step all the way up to thinking about employment, which is so huge. 
But you know, one thing I want to point out to the audience has gone by so fast, and we're already at the time for question and answer. But I just want everyone to know, you know, Marty, can you tell us what your experience with was blindness? Did you know anyone prior to your journey in this world? No, no actually, uh, this was uh, I just stumbled into this. So I was kind of semi-retired at the time. And the, the full backstory is I happened to my daughter who was 12 at the time. She's not visually impaired. Um, she was working on her birthday wish list. And every day, she, about a month before her birthday, she would write up a new birthday wish list, rip it up the next day and write out a new one. She was doing this day after day after day. And I thought, well, there should be an app for that. So I figured I could either create the app and then focus test it with her other pre-teen uh, pre friends or make it a STEM learning opportunity for the kids of her school contacted the head of school and said, I want to run an after school club for six weeks. I'll meet with the kids three times a week to, uh, for an hour together. We'll design the app and then I'll build it in the evenings. So we have to get it fingerprinted and background checked and all that. We ran the app club for about six weeks, finished the app, this birthday wish list app. The head, at the end, the head of school comes back to me and said, Marty, can you run the app club again? The kids loved it, the parents loved it. Also, if you drop your daughter off in the morning, can you teach the middle schoolers how to program? So I said, sure, I'll be, a, I'll be a, an engaged parent. When we met with the, uh, the app club a second time, I, the kid said, we don't want to build some stupid app. We want to build a game. I said, well, if I'm going to put my programming time into building a game, it has to be really different from any other games in the app store. So go off and think of something unique. They come back two weeks later, and every idea they had was a clone of something else in the app store. So I'm simply holding an iPad in my hand and twirling it around and thinking, well, why don't we do something that doesn't need the screen? Because every app in the app store uses a screen. And there happened to be moving it almost like I was moving a steering wheel. I said, well, why don't we, why don't we uh, create a driving game for blind people? So the kids look at me like, what do you mean? I said, well, you, they probably drive, would drive with their ears instead of their eyes, because that's how they navigate. So they didn't really get it. So I took one of the girls, I said, you stand in the middle of the room and act like a cow. So she goes in the middle of the room and starts mooing. Then I took one of the boys, I said, put on a blindfold. Um, I want you to walk up to the cow, not touch the cow and get to the other side of the room. And he does that. And I said, well, that's probably how blind people get around. So we designed the game where you're driving, steering the, the car with your iPad by twisting the steering wheel, the iPad left and right. And then wearing headphones, if the music gets uh, too loud in your left, if you're moving too far to the, the left fence, that means it's because the music's getting louder in your left ear. It's getting too loud in your right ear, it's getting too close to the right fence. So you try to stay centered, keep the music centered in your head. And then you aim for noisy prizes like popping popcorn and avoid obstacles like barking dogs. When we built out the 60 level game, it was an absolute uh, hit. I mean, in fact, actually, I first tested it in the Miami Lighthouse of the Boyne, and one of the students there had said, is the screen dark when you're playing? And I said, yeah. He said, well, you better put something on the screen or sighted people who think their iPad is broken. We took his advice. We put some things on the screen for sighted people when they play it. Mm -hmm. And then I tested a few weeks later in Fort Lauderdale at the Lighthouse. And there was one girl who had been blind since birth and she was playing the game. And after about 45 minutes, I said, well, what do you think? And she said, I'm gonna so beat the butt of my sighted friends. So we figured we probably had a hit there. Oh. <laughs> It jumped to the top of the accessibility list in the Apple App Store. I started hearing from uh, blind people all over the world asking me to create more and more games. And over the period of about five years, I ended up creating about 80 accessible audio games anywhere from hard games like Uno or, or Crazy Eights um, and, and Rummy and, and uh, uh, Hearts 
to sports games like basketball and bowling and baseball to action games like Flappy Bird or Color Crush or um, games like uh, Wheel of Fortune and Jeopardy. So an innumerable number of games. Oh, in the, in the last, in like 2017, 18, I started hearing from a lot of teachers telling us they were using the games to teach orientation mobility skills for the kids. That's when I started to get to know a lot of the teachers. And that's when we saw, hey, there's an opportunity out there for us to make a real difference with these kids because visually impaired kids, by the time they're in school, they're already significantly behind their peers because they cannot model their parents or their siblings. And if we can produce games that can help them solve that, then we're, we're helping out. So that kind of led right into objective ed. Wow, Marty, that is that is incredible. Just very incredible. And I, I'm very at all right now. That's <laughs> so exciting. And I'm sure our audience is too. And I thank you so much for being here. And we'll get to how people can find out more about you towards the end. But I'm sure that we have, John, I'm sure we have some questions for Marty. We I do. just, I can't, I'm going to go do some games soon here in a minute. <laughs> go fire up the games. <laughs> uh, thank you for that, Melody. Uh, Marty, thank you for being here. Um, so first question. In changing up your focus on serving blind or low vision students, specifically during COVID, will any of the way you approach curriculum change moving forward? Um, not really, because our whole idea is that kids, if they're engaged in the material, uh, they will use whatever it is that, you know, play the game and then build the skill. They might not realize they're building the skill by playing the game, but they do. And I think we're going to see more of a shift in education in general in teachers will do in class what they're good at, which is helping kids move forward. But a lot of the bulk work might be done on a computer in a very engaging way. I think gamification is gonna move through a lot of education. I think hybrid concepts will move through education. And we're really an implementation of that, which is hybrid and reinforcement learning. So really kids can, can have the curriculum tailored to their benefit. One of the difference between a student who, who is receiving special education and one who is in general ed is that in special education, you can really tailor the curriculum to the needs of the child and computers make that very easy to do. And we're doing that with all our technologies. I think that actually individual educational approach will move into general ed in the next five to 10 years uh, because computers make that realistic. That's incredible. Uh, here's another. How do you see technology opening the door to inclusion? Um, I think technology can make things, make available for people with disabilities much more effective. I think that the invention of the smartphone has drastically changed the lives of, of people with vision impairments in that they can optionally ask for help from somebody, but there is so much technology built into a smartphone now between bus schedules and getting to the bus or calling an Uber or having GPS or any innumerable things, currency readings, and just an amazing number of things uh, that previously required assistance from people. Now people can be a lot more self-sufficient and I see that trend continuing. Note to developers, make it accessible out of the box, right? Yes. <laughs> it, it's amazing that um, if you don't build in inclusion and accessibility from the ground up, it's going to, and it's a bolt on, it's not going to be accepted within the, uh, the community of people who, who want to use it 
all of our apps, whether they were blindfold games apps or the objective ed apps are built with the audience in mind, knowing that people who don't have a vision impairment or don't have other impairments can still use it because it's equally acceptable to all populations, people who have an impairment and people who don't. But if you don't design way, you can't simply add it later on. Right, at the ground floor. Uh, Marty, what has been your most exciting project? Most exciting to you anyway? Um, I like the opportunity to work with really smart people who are both within the community and who research community to come up with innovative ideas that we can find um, funding for to pull it off. Uh, the, the transition adventure, the, that, that choosing an adventure game to teach employment skills. We have such a great team of people working on it. Um, I have researchers out of uh, University of Mississippi who really uh, understand what's needed. I have teachers who teach this. I have um, Brian and Kim Charlson who are excellent advocates um, and have been are at the top of their fields. But the, the chance to work with all these amazing people and then combining their efforts with our software engineers, our interactive vision writers, to be able to do something that's life changing for people and for kids. It's just it's so much fun. Thank you for that. You know, that's really awesome because, you know, you're talking about not only like the story you talked about, the little girl playing the game for 45 minutes and being able to, she's, to have a conversation with her sighted peers. I mean, right? That's, that's kind of the name yeah. of the game. Well, one of the things that is a, a side story is before we actually launched the Jeff event, um, I went to one of the um, AER conferences and just asked teachers if they were familiar with blindfold games and do they use it with any of their visual impaired students. And I learned three things at that meeting. The first was that the games are a great reward for the students, which we would expect. Secondly, that the games can teach orientation mobility skills. But the third thing that struck me that I never thought of was they said, you know, all your games are audio games. So since our visually impaired students are excellent at audio games, it moves these students from being a follower into a leader because they have to explain to their sighted peers how to play these games and how to excel at these games. So it was a new social environment for these students. And I thought that was pretty neat. That is incredible. It's like flipping the switch. And that is, that is so true. We've been talking about that uh, a lot lately in conversations is, is having that leadership role, especially with our blind leaders um, program. But I, I also love the fact that you brought up in the very beginning that you know, you're at the CSUN conference with our president and CEO and having these conversations and just the camaraderie and partnerships that really do occur to make these things happen because we just can't do any, everything on our own, right? And I just love that. And um, it's, uh, it's, it's, we're so glad to have you here today. Do we have any more questions, John? I think we have time for one more. I do have one more sitting here. Okay. Uh, in case it wasn't already clear about how entrepreneurial Marty is, <laughs> uh, Marty, uh, you authored a book, the book, No Investors, No Problem, a serial bootstrappers playbook for breakthrough success on a shoestring budget. Tell us a little uh, bit about your book. Yes, please do. <laughs> well, for a while, I would start doing mentoring of, of young entrepreneurs and, the, and start speaking on that. This is before we kicked off Objective Ed. And... I was starting to hit the, uh, the the talk show circuit, so to speak. You're basically doing a lot of speaking. People said, you should write a book. 
on your stories. So I've worked with somebody to, to put together the book. I've done about six or seven ventures over the course of my career. And every one of them, I've kind of bootstrapped to get going and learn all the different guerrilla tactics that was necessary to, to kick off a company. And basically everything I learned was by trying everything else that failed until I finally got something that worked. And in each company, you try something, um, you try a dozen different things. It's like throwing spaghetti on the ceiling. Some of it will stick and some won't, most won't. And you proceed with that and you continue. And, and I wrote that book uh, uh, with, a, with someone and we published it about six months, uh, almost a year ago now. And if anyone's interested in uh, getting a copy, just have them um, email um, email me and you know send them a copy on Kindle. It's you can listen to it uh, through the Kindle um, uh, speech, you know, voice speech. What um, is your email? Well, is that good? How could people contact you, Marty? Um, it's easy. It's Marty at objectiveed.com. Nice. And what, can they just go if they want to check out all of your fun things and what you're doing? Where could they your website? But yeah, they can visit objectivehead.com or they can visit blindfoldgames.org, which also has a link to objectivehead.com. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I would like to go read that book. <laughs> it sounds like a really good one. And thank you so much for being here with us today, Mar. You really appreciate it. And we also really do appreciate your support. We are in our centennial year here at AFB and we have kicked it off. We have an amazing event um, coming up if this uh, February 11th, so tomorrow, everybody, <laughs> at seven o'clock, if you wanna check it out, just go to afb.org slash 100 and sign up. You can get your recipe from Christina Ha, get a good playlist from Markets Roberts and some wine, cause we all need that now and <laughs> make your own very much beautiful Valentine's day night. So thank you guys so much for being here with us today. And I just wanna say thank you to Marty and Objective Ed for advertising that for us as well. And thank you, Marty, for sharing this. And we look forward to moving forward and keeping this partnership going. Thank you so much for everything you do from behalf of AFB and I know teachers and parents across the world. Well, thank you. And again, thanks for the opportunity to speak to your listeners. Oh, thank you. This has been so much fun. I hope everyone has a great Wednesday. Thank you so much.